When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Banks of the Raritan Podcast, presented by the Fans First Sports Network. We're back with another edition of the Banks of the Raritan Podcast here on Fans First Sports Network, and it might be the best one of all so far because we finally get to game week. Matt, back with Matt Forno here. Matt, we made it to game week. I mean, I, I week zero had me excited. I was I watched every single game. Uh, I don't know if, if if listeners out there, Greg. I don't know if you have YouTube TV. I don't know if, if this do, is going to be a thing. I don't know if you saw it, like the picture in picture multicast of the games. If that's going to be a, an option all throughout the fall, and if, if we're ta- if that goes with the NFL, I may never leave my apartment. I may genuinely never leave my apartment. I may watch hour to hour college football, NFL football, if that's going to be a thing throughout the whole season. So I, I might be in trouble, but I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, it's game week. I'm ready for it to talk Northwestern. Plenty to talk about. But yeah, college football's here. Absolutely. They started that last year, I think, YouTube TV. I've had that for a couple of years now. And it's a saw pretty, it with it's the a college good basketball. Service. Yeah. I saw that too last year. And, you know, week zero was great. I love, I always love week zero just to get it back. You know, I found myself up watching Hawaii and Vanderbilt because they got yeah. del- they were supposed to start seven thirty. They got delayed. I think it was a weather delay. So I found it myself was, yeah. I found myself staying up until twelve thirty, one o'clock, watching yeah. the end of that game. And then um, Louisiana Tech was also coming down to the wire, Florida Atlantic. So that's just the best part of college football. There's so many games that mean nothing. These small teams you never get a chance to watch that you just find yourself up in the middle of the night watching. I really thought the games, like some of, like obviously the Notre Dame game was out of reach, but like the fact I, I had a small bet on first touchdown score and, and it hit and that was awesome. An awesome way to start out the college football year. Gotta Pretty hit much hitting ball. on the first bet you can get, like the, for, for all, any exciting action. Yep, but I thought like this. Yeah, I thought the games were actually like pretty competitive, but you know it was a little surprising to see the way North, uh, North, uh, New Mexico State played against UMass. But yeah, I thought the you know some exciting plays in USC. But yeah, it was a great appetizer for for what should be a feast of a college football season. So happy to get into it. And this the weekend too. The overall weekend is one of my top three favorite of the year. I got to put in. Um, I'm a huge Memorial Day weekend guy, so that's number one on my list. Just the great vibes heading into the summer. And then it's right up there between this weekend because I have a fantasy draft on Sunday. That's we, we schedule it every year nice. because of that Monday off. And then you get the full slate all the way through games until Monday night, which is why I love how college football does it. They start Thursday. They take you through Friday through the weekend and then one game on Monday night. Between that and Thanksgiving weekend because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So I'm, I'm torn between these two weekends, but it's always great coming, coming into this one, getting football back. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's a great weekend, especially – and there's some good games Thursday. Like I mean, maybe not like the best games, but there's games that are worth watching. I think. Um, and I, I'll. And if they're not worth watching, I'm still gonna. So looking forward to it. Should be fun. Fun weekend of football starting in uh, about I guess 48 hours, a little over 48 hours. So we're there. We're there. It's, it's going to be a long, long season. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great one too because Rutgers fans don't have to worry about anything on Saturday. They could just sit back and enjoy the yeah. and enjoy the full slate of games without worrying about a Rutgers game. 
Um, other sports have started other than football, obviously, and a lot of success. And that's kind of what we touched on last week, the success of these teams in the Big Ten. If you look at the women's soccer team after that loss, they came back tied NC State and then a 7 nothing victory over Fairleigh Dickinson. That's kind of how they got to beat teams like that. Um, yeah, I, I I saw seven nothing. I mean, that's that's impressive. I don't care who you're playing against; it's a lot of scoring in soccer. But that's it's great to see. I don't think that neither them or the men's team are currently ranked, but I imagine the women's will find will find themselves back in the rankings as they win more games. The men, obviously, uh, fighting uh, tied. I think what was it, St. Joe's yesterday? Yeah. Uh, but some exciting highlights. Uh, I saw one. A uh, nice breakaway speed goal. Uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to getting over to a couple of those games, both women's and men's. And then, of course, field hockey is looking like one of our elite programs. Yeah, field hockey is always that team that they play such a hard schedule. I think I mentioned that last week, too. They play, I think, seven ranked opponents on their schedule. But that just makes them better come the end of the year. And they're they're just so strong to begin with. It's one of those shorter seasons that they don't really pack the games into. But, yeah, the women's soccer team, they're they're going to end up ranked, I would say. Maybe that early season loss, um, but they're going to bounce back from there. Allison Lowry with the hat trick against Fairleigh Dickinson. You know, Riley Tiernan is one of the best in the Big Ten. She has been for a couple years now. It'll be interesting to see how the men kind of respond, though, because after a Big Ten championship, losing their top goal scorer, um, M.D. Myers moving on, that's not an easy thing to do. So with him being out of the picture, kind of who takes over that role, of, you know, scoring the ball and, and turning this team into something that they were last year. Yeah, fun fact about the Riley Tierney, her uh, her sister, actually, Madison, lived, I think, two or three doors down from me my freshman year living on College Ave. So shout out, uh, shout out to the women's soccer team. There was a lot of girls that lived in the uh, in the dorm with me and the one across the, uh, across the road. So fun time freshman year. I can't believe it was 10 years ago, but, you know, was happy to be uh I felt like a part of the athletics team. I wasn't, but it felt like it cuz I was living with them. But uh yeah. And I also think uh looks like the I think women's volleyball was uh I think uh, I think they won on Friday and Saturday. So that's always exciting. Also lived with some volleyball girls uh, when I was a freshman. So yeah, they they stored them on or they housed them on College Ave, but yeah, it was an exciting weekend for for Rutgers athletics and you know, we got football coming now, so it's going to be it's going to be a full slate, seven days a week, it feels like. Yeah, there's a lot of wins all over the school right now, and, and basketball's not in season, but they get a commit from Dylan Grant, three-star in 2024. Steve Peichel just continues to crush the class of 2024. It's funny seeing all the mentions and the comments under that tweet from Joe Tipton from On3 Sports. Shout out Joe Tipton. He tags me and On the Banks and all of the stuff that he tweets out, which I appreciate. That's awesome. It was great seeing the, all the comments down there about seeing the name Dylan and everybody losing their minds over that. Just so we know, this isn't another, this isn't going to be the second Dylan situation. You know, this kid's a player. He's got great size, great athleticism. So Rutgers is getting a good one here. It was, it was funny. The, the, uh, the, the, the overdone joke on social media once he announced was, is Dylan Harper now going to have to go at, go by the, as the, the other Dylan, if, if we're so lucky to get him as a yeah. commitment. But just funny, just funny that, you know, people are saying we got, we landed it, we landed Dylan, dot, dot, dot. And then, you know, it's, it's obviously a different, different Dylan, not Dylan Harper, but nonetheless. And, and I know, uh, we briefly talked about this before the, the start of the pod, but, you know, seeing, uh, I would say I would consider him a high three star, maybe mid, but not like, Unranked like, four, I think somewhere he's ranked a four. Other places he's three, but he's known as a three. Yeah, you look at you look at the class right now, and, and you see him, you know, at the bottom of the class. If if a player of Dylan Grant's cal or yeah, Dylan Grant's caliber is going to be the floor for Rutgers basketball recruiting, 
you know, I'll, I'll sign me up for that all, all day, every day. I think that goes back to, I think we talked about it on the first pod, you know, how, how will Steve Pike will be able to maintain or be a consistent recruiter at this level. You know, it's, he used to just, just like, if we were to get a guy like Dylan Grant, we were, we would have been ecstatic maybe four or five years ago. If he's going to be the guy that's uh, five of five of the guys that we bring in, that's awesome. So I'm happy he joined on. And again, another guy, not, you know, from Michigan, I, mean, I don't know who, who he had offered. I'm sure he had some offers maybe from Michigan State or Michigan, but Big Ten country coming to coming to the East Coast to Rutgers, uh, coming to New Jersey. You know, it's exciting. And, you know, if we do, if we're fortunate enough to land another guy and, and that be Dylan Harper, we're looking at an incoming class of five guys. And that's that's going to set a great foundation for for the years to come. So. I mean, I know we're a couple months away from Rutgers basketball, but you know, if we can if we can get some momentum off of the football team this season, going into going into the college basketball, it could be a very very exciting year for Rutgers athletics. That's kind of what I was thinking too when I saw Grant commit. You know, there there were times where this would be the the main player in a Rutgers recruiting class. That's just how it was early in the Big Ten, and really even you know the past couple of years hasn't been that strong. Obviously, Gavin Griffiths comes in this year, and and twenty twenty four is loaded already, even before Dylan Grant commits. So that's just the the trajectory they're on, and it'll be interesting to see if they kind of keep it because it hasn't been on the court yet. You know, it's one of those things where Rutgers has had success because of Steve Peichel developing players, developing the program, guys like Geo Baker and Ron Harper coming as you know low level recruits and really turning into these studs. Paul Mulcahy the same way, Cam Spencer on a smaller scale, he's only here one year, but guys like that coming over, um, Cam Spencer obviously being a transfer. It's interesting to see if they could get year in and year out after Ace Bailey and hopefully Dylan Harper show what they can do next year because that's kind of how you build this thing. It's all about turnover. And I feel like we haven't – we've seen turnover. We've seen guys graduate. I, I think nobody really left early except for – I'm forgetting his name – Jaden Jones, which was an anomaly yeah, in itself. A one, yeah. Happy it worked out for him eventually. Took a, took a year or two, but he seems like he landed on his feet overseas. So shout out him. Uh, I, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting because this is gonna turn. I'm assuming this is gonna turn out to be a, a larger class, and then you factor in the transfer portal. I, I, college basketball has changed so quickly because of the transfer portal, because of recruiting. How that landscape has changed. That yeah, I, I'm interested to see what how how it shakes out because you know when you have guys. Of the caliber of Ace Bailey and even Cliff, like Cliff clearly was getting attention by NFL scouts and was, I imagine, was encouraged to say, hey, go back to the college game, develop a little bit more. That's another guy that's going to need to see the court, going to want to see the court for his own likeness, for his own future. Can't blame him for that. Also, we need him on the court. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think it's good that that trip to Africa, I think, helped out the team early with some new pieces, kind of understand who's going to play, how everyone's going to fit, who gels together. But yeah, it's going to be, I think, a new look Rutgers, new look basketball team out there come November. So yeah, we're we're going to be in for some for, for some new type of basketball. I think you know I'm not I'm, I'm I'm I loved watching great defensive battles in the Big Ten and keeping teams under you know sixty or seventy points. But I don't know if that's what we're going to watch this upcoming year. I think the defense will be fine. I think they'll still play Greg Pike Greg, or Greg Michael Steve Michael. Uh, pound and nails basketball but i think we're going to see some more points i don't want to get any get ahead of ourselves but i don't know if we're going to see grind it out play defense hold on to the ball i think we're going to see more threes uh and hopefully just more excitement on offense i want to see great defense still we're used to that we're accustomed to that for about five years now but i think it's gonna be a new brand of basketball it's going to start with uh all these new players on the team 
Yeah, I'm curious to see that too because I don't think that I'm, first of all, I want to see how the team shoots the ball. Guys like you know, Noah Fernandez coming in and, and Derek Simpson, see how if they improve as shooters. Derek Simpson wasn't the best shooter last year. Noah Fernandez is not known as that type of player. You know, he's a quick, quick with the ball. He's a slasher, likes to get in the lane. Losing, obviously, Cam Spencer was the team's top shooter last year. But I think you're right. I think it's going to be quick. I think it's going to be a lot of getting to the rim, a lot of aggressive play, and, and maybe some up and down from Rutgers. There's, they might have to play a lot of games in the 70s, you know, low 80s, and, and that would be interesting to see. I agree with Cliff as well. He's got to be on the floor, but he's got to, he's really got to expand his game a little bit. I've, I've been critical of him because of his post-game, you know. Obviously, in the NBA, they want you to have some sort of jump shot. He seems very far from that. He's got to develop his post-game, though. He's got great size. He's a he's a thick dude. He's a crazy athlete, but he can't score around the rim. He's not consistent enough scoring around the rim because he doesn't have that touch just yet. I, I assume that's something that he's worked on in the offseason, so we'll see if he can do that. And it's funny you mentioned the roster. It's going to look completely different, especially in two years once that class comes in. A lot of people have been asking, where are they going to find room? I think Dylan Graham was the fourth prospect already, commit already in 2024. So, you know, are we going to have room for Dylan Harper? First of all, it's not a question. If Dylan Harper wants to come, there's no, are we going to have room for him? So anybody who's thinking that, they're going to find room. Second, there's going to be a lot of turnover. You know, maybe they're not as aggressive in the transfer portal. And then you got guys leaving. A guy like Cliff basically said he's gone after this year, even though he's got two years of eligibility left. This will be his last year at Rutgers. So there's going to be a lot of room and it's going to be a a different looking team, but should be very exciting. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, and I'm sure the stats will tell a different story, but I remember before the season how Cliff was in the gym late hours, working on his free throw, shooting, all that. And I really feel like we saw him improve. I think the team in general improved at the free throw line. I remember back in maybe not too long ago, two or three years ago, we were terrible at the free throw line. Yeah, and I think Cliff specifically – there were times, I guess when you see a big guy go to the line, you want him to hit one of two. Like, it, yeah, that's yeah. still bad. 50% is bad, but just give me one. And I feel like Cliff did that regularly and, and came away with two a lot of the times. Now, he improved there. Can he improve around the rim? It, the amount of times he, he just, he's so athletic that it almost, he looks it looks weird watching him in the post. Like he wants to move quicker than he should. You know, he's so, he's able to jump so high, his long arms, long legs. Finishing around the rim for for him could be a game changer. Uh, we know he can dunk. We know he's athletic. We've seen him ch- shoot from around from uh, you know I don't know twenty feet out from behind the three point line. Not very consistent, but yeah, it's he. I still love watching him play. He's just so electric. He can he can turn off. He can make an already raucous environment at the Jersey Mike's Arena that much more crazier with with just one dunk. Uh, it's amazing what he's able to do. But yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of good a lot of good things trending right now and just. I can't believe we're talking Rutgers basketball, getting excited about that when we have a huge game. It sounds silly to say that, but it's a huge, huge game on game. Sunday. Huge game. It is. It's a huge game. It's it's one of the biggest one Rutgers has played. I, I mean, it's bigger than that bowl game. I don't think it's crazy to say that. That wasn't the game that Rutgers expected to be in back in 2020. And kind of yep. when they weren't given a chance, and obviously, you know, it was nice for them to go make the trip. But this is a huge game just for the program because this is a type of game that gets people, that gets guys fired. And that's not saying Shiano's on the hot seat if they lose this game because he's not. Shiano's not going anywhere. But this is that kind of game. And and we were just talking about basketball. It's funny that people were ready to crucify Steve Peichel after, I believe it was 2021, that rough stretch they went through. They lost to Lafayette early on, scored like 50 points. 
I think they lost six of eight, something like that, with that Scene Hall game being the last one, just a game they weren't really ever in. And, and you look two years later, they wanted him gone just for a stretch like that. Two years later, you know, they, they want to build a statue of the guy outside of the arena. So it's interesting <laughs> to see Shiano's name not, not kind of get mentioned because, listen, this is a must-win game. They have to win this game. And, and in my opinion, they got to win it convincingly. Agreed. I, I do think Rutgers is more than capable of winning this game, but every time... And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure plenty of fans throughout the throughout the history of Rutgers football, or just athletics in general, not just football. You know, as soon as if you mark a game before it started or just before it's ended with a W next to it on the calendar, it's just going to end poorly. I remember the last time we played Northwestern, I guess in 2021, on the road in Evanston. I uh, you know I was I was posting videos on Twitter and saying this is going to be a game Rutgers wins by a billion. You know, and and we end up it wasn't even. I don't even know if we ever had the lead in the game and we got completely outplayed. It was just one of those awful, awful games uh, to watch uh, as a fan. And, and and I don't think that will be the case here. Uh, but yeah, I think that this, this is an interesting game for a number of reasons. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of the turmoil that's going on at Northwestern as a whole. But one thing that I find very interesting, and I kind of turn this, I spin this in a Rutgers way. You know, you have the team and the, and Northwestern faculty administrative not happy that they were on the practice field during training camp with shirts that said something along the lines of like cats against the world or us, us, us against the world, which to be honest, I find very strange because, you know, I don't think this is a type of instance where you want to, obviously you want to find ways to rally the team around some sort of battle cry, but the circumstances surrounding the team, just not great. Uh, the, the allegations that were made, you know, there's been worse allegations in college sports even recently, but just seems strange that that's what their mantra was. I know it's a new coach, some new guys in the coaching staff, new players coming in as transfers. But I think that if there's anything that should be against the world, it really should be Rutgers against the world. You know, we're, we're, t- we're told time and time again that we don't belong in the Big Ten, despite, you know, athletic success across uh, across the department. And also we've benefited the conference more than most teams when it comes to financials and TV deals. You know, that's not a function of Rutgers, maybe so much more of the area. But to me, it's it's more about Rutgers against the world than anything. And I think that goes across the entire conference, maybe even the power five. You know, we're, we're constantly told we don't belong here. We're constantly told we're the worst power five team. The athletic, you know, is is throwing us shade saying the alignment was the worst ever, which is just categorically false. If you ask anybody in the Big Ten that's benefited from us. So that's kind of how I look at this game. I'm curious if, if Chiano spins it that way, if the players see what's being said about them. You know, I, I think they should be motivated to dominate this team, not because Northwestern is a rival or some a team we want to beat down on, but show show that we're not just gonna, you know, it's not gonna be three cloud the three yards in a cloud of dust every play. Like find ways to to generate explosive plays, even if it has to be on defense or special teams. So definitely a game they need to win convincingly. I think the spread is somewhere around seven or six and a half. Uh, that's still very large, I think, for a Rutgers team in, in a conference crazy. game. Crazy uh, but it, it needs to be like that. I mean, there, I think if you were to ask a hundred people who cover college sports, who's the worst power five team right now, it's, it's probably Northwestern for a number of reasons. It doesn't help that your head coach just got fired, but yeah, that's a big reason. That's and and I like Pat Fitzgerald. It's, it's a shame what happened there. Uh, you know, I, I, I we don't have to talk too much about that, but there's a reason that they've that they haven't won a game on U.S. soil in I think two years. So it's yeah. it's yeah, they were that's a, eleven last year. Yeah, like they they it's they're not good. Uh, 
I don't, and I'm not acting like Rutgers is great. It's just true. Their, their, their team is, is not very good. Uh, but I do think this is a game Rutgers can win and more, more importantly, needs to win. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because right now Northwestern lost their head coach. They don't have the talent, in my opinion, either. David Bryver, I was reading what David Broad was saying, too, before this game. And he, he they made a decision on their starting quarterback, but they're not releasing it. And it just gave me such Greg Schiano vibes that it, yep. it drove me nuts. Because you're trying to get an advantage over what? You know, name your quarterback. It's not giving Rutgers any – I mean, it's not um, giving you any sort of advantage over Rutgers by not naming your quarterback. But this is 100% a must win. And, and it's more for Rutgers – in my opinion, because at the end of the day, Northwestern's not going to win a lot of games. They're going into this thinking they can win, which is fine. That's what you should think. Every, anybody goes into a Rutgers game and thinks they could win. That's just how it is. You know, Virginia Tech's going to be the same way. And, you know, after last year, Temple might even think the same thing. Who knows? But with the the article coming out from The Athletic, which you mentioned, and just everything going on with Rutgers last year, this team has to show that they improved, and they do that in this game whether it be offensively, defensively, I don't even care. Just show, have Gavin take care of the football and, and have this game be, have Rutgers cover the spread in this game, maybe win this game by double digits. That'll show me a lot. That's just how it has to happen. If they come if they come and lose this game on their home field, national TV to a Northwestern team going through all this, that would be disastrous for Rutgers. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, the more I think about this game, and maybe it's just, I think I would be viewing week one, this way, I don't think it's at like to the level of like like the detriment that can happen if they lose. I remember I was nervous about Boston College, how important that game was because it, it, rather it being an in conference opponent, it was a out of conference opponent in a very similar boat as Rutgers. You know, a, a team that has went through realignment, relatively new coach, struggling program, all of that. You know. They, they they need each team needed to win just as much as the other. Uh, I don't know how many people were expecting Rutgers to win that game, but I know that I think it was a, I think that game might have been seven or ten points. The line was large; it shouldn't have been that large, it but was it in was. The middle of it. And, and yeah. that's a another game that, that's a game that goes to in, in my head is that Northwest um, Boston College, excuse me, last year was in the same exact spot. A team like Rutgers coming in that was a that was a win in the column before the game was even played. And, you know, talk, just talking to writers last year and everything, there was no chance that, you know, Boston College was going to lose that game. That was such a must win for them. They end up losing, and then look what happens. They, you know, they go 3-9, and nine and, and everything's turmoil over there as well. So can that same thing happen to Rutgers? I mean, you never say never. I draw, again, I draw more comparisons to that game. Uh, I know, uh, I forget what his name was, uh, Joe not Djokovic, what Philip, Philip, joke, whatever his name was. He's not on the team anymore. The um, yeah, Jerkovic. Philip Djokovic. Yeah. Philip Djokovic. He was a transfer guy who played there the year before. He showed a lot of promise. Did I, I never, I think he gets more praise than he deserves. I don't like talking bad about a player cause they are just kids, but I remember there was like a highlight in his, uh, film from 2021 and it included an interception. I didn't, I, it blew my mind. The reason it was in there is because the interception, that resulted in a fumble that the, that Boston College recovered. It was wild, but I, I digress. The reason I talk about that is there's a lot of, I think, parallels between that Boston College team and this Northwestern team. I do not think that the Boston College team is anywhere near the level of, of this Northwestern team for a lot of reasons, mainly because the head coach got fired. Uh, but you look at the quarterback, they, it was a transfer quarterback. There, it looks like, if I had to guess, 
the, tr- the quarterback that is going to start for Northwestern will probably be the Cincinnati transfer, Ben Bryant, uh, yeah. which I find very interesting because Cincinnati is just not a bad program. Like, and going from Cincinnati, who's now in the Big 12, to Northwestern, who's, I, I would say, objectively the worst team in the Big 10 right now in a, in a weaker division in the Big 10 for the time being. You know, it's, it's it's an interesting move, and he stuck around through all of this turmoil. So he must be he must if if he wasn't going to be the starter, I would be. I don't know what he's doing there. Uh, and you have the other guys, um, Brandon Sullivan, and then Ryan Holinsky, both of which you've played, both of which who haven't been like I would say, well, haven't been horrible, but you know, not elite, not 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 striking fear into the opponent's uh, defense. But what what really I think is a comparison to Boston College is. Northwestern is completely almost revamping their entire offensive line. You know, and they, they lose three starters, I believe. The one guy, or maybe four starters, the one guy that's coming back, and that includes a first-round draft pick in Peter Skaronsky. Phenomenal, phenomenal player on the Titans right now. Like, thank God he's not there this year. But they're moving their retur- their best re- lineman that's returning. Uh, what's his name? Uh, he, he plays guard. I uh, forget what his name is. In any case, he's moving from guard to left tackle. So you're looking at an offensive line that is within the interior. I think they're completely replacing. So what happened with Boston College? They had a they were supposed to have their Christian Mahogany come back as like an all conference player, tremendous player He's from New Jersey. He ends up tearing his ACL in in off in the off season, and their offensive line was a mess the entire year. And what was Rutgers able to do? Rutgers that was week one. They got after the quarterback. The first play, I think uh, Joe Harrisimiak threw up like a corner blitz. It gets it forces a fumble. I don't think we recover it, but an excellent way to start off the game. And that's what Rutgers needs to do this game is get after the quarterback. I think this is the perfect, perfect opportunity for Aaron Lewis to convert after after spending a year leading the edge rushers in the country with quarterback hits. Get to the get to the quarterback and get some sacks. Not just maybe not just him. Wesley Bailey, Kenny Fletcher, all these guys. Moses uh, Muhammad Ture. Get after the quarterback. Take advantage of this offensive line that there are guys on there that have experience, but they're really only returning one starter who's playing an entirely new position and the most most important position on the on the offensive line. And this guy tore his ACL last season, so he's not fully healthy. Like the, the, the offensive line is a weak point for them right now for a number of reasons. And Rutgers defensive line, I think, without question, is the strongest unit maybe outside of the running back position on the team. They need to take advantage of that. If they do that, I definitely think that Rutgers can come away with the win. Yeah, and on the offensive side of the ball, too, again, I, I mentioned this is a game – I just want to see a little separation on the scoreboard. doesn't matter where it comes from because either way, it, it's going to be positive, whether it's, like you said, Aaron Lewis coming off the edge or you know Max Mellon going to pick six, something like that. Saw the video today of the one against Temple. Um, there has to be something like that, but I'm curious to see what Kirk Soraka brings, um, especially against this Northwestern defense, which, you know, again, they, they don't really do a ton well, but David Braun was brought in to be the defensive coordinator, obviously got moved up to the interim head coach. So when you look at Rutgers' approach, they don't have to do anything different. They're studying the same thing. And it was interesting to see what David Braun had to say today about preparing for Rutgers because of the addition of Kirk Soraka. He's not only looking at what Rutgers does well with Greg Schiano, he's got to look at Minnesota and their tape to see what kind of systems they were running. There's a lot for Braun and his coaching staff to study about this game compared to what Rutgers has to do. So with everything else on their plate, they're looking at so much film. They're trying to break so many things up because at the end of the day, what is Rutgers going to do? I don't think anybody has that answer right now. 
because last year was so vanilla, it was so boring that it has. You have to imagine that all of that is thrown out the window. Soraka's coming here with a new game plan completely, and hopefully a way to develop a young quarterback, which he's done in the past. So I think the the Rutgers offense versus the defense is going to be a big matchup overall, and even just for fans, fans want to see a couple drives. They want to see big plays. They want to see, you know four or five different running backs touch the ball maybe in this game. Something that can give them hope moving forward that they can maybe score a few points in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think if this game, I think the over-under right now is at like 40 and a half, which probably is is pretty, yeah, it's, it's it's not very high. And I really think if it is to go over, it's going to be the result of maybe not pick sixes, but it will be, if it goes over, it will be because of turnovers and flipping the field went over last year. Right. Exactly. And, and I don't know, I think that can go for both ways. Like it's either it's there's good. There has to be multiple turnovers for like one team or like one each for, for one another. And that's something Rutgers cannot afford to do is turn over the ball. And I think that's another reason why Kirk Sriracha was brought in because he's going to, that's just, you look at what Minnesota did and that's, that's what we need to do. Maybe that's kind of a giveaway of what they should expect from Rutgers this season. But, yeah, I would not want to be David Braun this week. First game, conference game, on the road, new offense, new offensive coordinator. It's just a challenge in itself. We now pause for a quick ad break before we continue. Attention sports fans. Are you a fan of an NFL team? Do you know somebody who's a fan of an NFL team? Do you need a last-minute gift idea? Do you want to take somebody on the trip of their life? Well, If the answer is yes to any of those questions, you're in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the Week 1 NFL game of your choice worth up to $5,000. To enter, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information on the form. That's it. That's all you have to do to be eligible to win four free tickets to any Week 1 game of your choice. So what are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action during week one of the NFL season. Contest ends on September 4th, so time is running out. Once again, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information on the form. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Fans are definitely going to be up for this game, too. I mean, they should be. Again, national TV game, standalone game, Sunday, day off the next day, Labor Day. It's very exciting stuff. And it, it, it does. It makes you think, it kind of gets you nervous that Northwestern is going to be up for this game, too. It's funny you mentioned as the days go on, you think about this game more. Different thoughts creep into your head. I was reading David Braun's comments today from the press conference. And somebody just flat out asked him, you know, what's the vibe around the team kind of, you know, are you guys ready? What's going on? And he was like, you know, we're ready. We look ready. And was just talking about their preparation for this game. And it creeps in the back of your head. You're like, man, for no apparent reason, you know, he's the head coach. What's he going to say? You know, the team's not ready. We're going to go up there and get killed. So obviously he's going to say that they're ready. But different thoughts just creep into your head when it comes to a team like this that kind of has that mentality. Yeah, I, <laughs> again, I I don't, I other than, other than Northwestern being motivated by people saying they're going to be bad this year, 
I don't, I don't see the mode. And I guess there were players who signed a petition that, you know, were against the firing of Pat Fitzgerald. But if any team, if in my opinion, if any team needs to be motivated, it's, it's Rutgers here. Like they, the, if I'm a player and I keep seeing and maybe, you know, and I hope, I, I don't know what it's like to be a 18 to 22 year old in today's world with social media. I don't know how much they read news, news clippings or headlines, but any day, every day, any day of the week, you can see a negative headline specifically about Rutgers football. That should motivate me. That, that should be in everybody's locker room that you don't belong here. I don't, I, I don't understand if there's going to be a motivated team here at home, Labor Day weekend, it should be Rutgers. And, and I think a, an X factor, like you mentioned, will be the crowd and maybe not so much the whole crowd, but the students, the students have really done a tremendous job showing, showing up early on time early and staying for, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say they should stick around for the games that get out of hand, but the games that are closer or, or just the ones that any game they're there early, they're participating, they're loud. They do their job uh, being loud and disruptive. That's, that's all we can ask for. And I'm, I always expect that. I think week one, the students are and mostly freshmen because they're the ones that are moving in early. Uh, it's a fun thing to do. And I, and I can't, and Sundays are, I guess are a little bit different at, in college. Like this is going to be interesting because you know, it's not a Saturday, it's a Sunday game. I don't think I ever have been to a Sunday college football game. Definitely not at, at Rutgers. Either, yeah. So this should be Definitely fun. I'm ex- exactly. Like, obviously we want to see all of the fans there, but I do think we should, it's always, it's always exciting week one when you see the students there. So shout out to students. Freshman, good luck as you enter your college career. But yeah, uh, it's time. It's, it, SHI Stadium needs. I, and I and I we did, I mentioned it earlier. There was that article by NJ.com speaking about the season tickets being about I think around like twenty one thousand. And I'm thinking in my head like, hey, you know that's that's that doesn't seem bad. I don't know if if SHI Stadium had can hold let's just say fifty thousand to keep it simple. If almost half of those are season tickets, is that normal? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how much capacity goes towards season ticket holders. But I thought that aside from the start of games, games got pretty, you know, they, they were never, that we announced sellouts. They were never sellouts. We have to be honest. Like, if you're at the game, it was not a sellout. No. Maybe they sold all the tickets, but people <laughs> yeah. did not show up. Um, so that's something that we, as a program, as a athletic department, as a, as a fans, just have to do a better job getting there early because this, it will matter. People will look and be like, Oh, look, if, if let's just say opening kickoff goes for a touchdown and you see those end zone shots of bleachers for the most part, not people, it doesn't look great, especially when you have, you know, people saying we don't belong here. So if fans can do one thing to help the program, it's just be there, be participants and, uh, and make your presence known. And it, it, it'll go a long way because again, people will be watching. It's a standalone Sunday football game. People across the country, you you bet, will be watching. It's funny that this is the stuff that we're talking about. You know, the, the headline of these games is going to be Northwestern and everything. They're going through the scandals. Pat Fitzgerald versus Rutgers. Do they belong in the Big Ten or not? It feels like nothing about this game, not nothing, a small part of this game has to do with actual football. Like, it feels like the teams are showing up here, both with chips on their shoulders, kind of seeing who's going to who's going to take over, who's going to be ready and, you know, prove the narrative wrong that they've been facing. That's kind of just what this game feels like to me. Yeah. I, uh, and, and I want to, I, I did want to just touch on some of like the players at Northwestern. Now, again, they lost their back to back and not back. I don't know if it was back to back drafts. Maybe they're, 
the best player on their team for the past three or four years, maybe five years, has come from the left tackle position. Yeah. They don't have that this year. But if, when I'm looking at the offense, the, again, we can not spec. We can speculate on quarterback all we want. I think it'll be the transfer from Cincinnati. Don't know a lot about him. His numbers weren't bad. He threw for more touchdowns. I think he threw for like 22 touchdowns, maybe single-digit interceptions. As a Rutgers fan, you would take that any day of the week based off of what we've seen the past couple of years. But they also get back Cam Porter as a running back who was out, I think, last year with a, a knee injury. They lost a good running back in Evan Hall. But Northwestern's always been a team that's going to definitely want to run the ball. But I think that's because of the offensive line that's behind them. Uh, I don't know if they have that this year. So, again, I and you look at Rutgers' offensive line. Like, both, both offensive lines for each team is going to dictate the outcome of this game. And I've been convincing myself, maybe it was just on the way home from work today, Maybe the way we felt about the off- offensive line, Rutgers offensive line this offseason has been because of the way the defensive line has been playing. Maybe they're just simply better than the Rutgers offensive line. So how are you going to look that much better? But I do want to point to, it sounded like on Greg Shiano's press conference today that he felt like they have been, they have improved. I, I didn't sense that I, in previous I- interviews and press conferences, I certainly did not feel good about the offensive line based off of what he was saying. There's not necessarily a lot to feel good on the surface about the offensive line because truly we're only returning one uh, constant, which is Ireland Burke at the center position because our guys playing on the right side of the line are now moving to the left side of the line. And I wish one of the reporters asked that question, you know, like, how difficult of a transition is that? Can you talk about that? Like, I think that would be a great question to hear from Greg Schiano because that could help us understand, will Holland Pierce, who played pretty well at right tackle, be able to play the toughest position on the offensive line now? Or will Curtis Dunlap find it difficult moving from the right side to the left side? You know, I think we're going to find out if the offensive line, the, I think we're going to find out if the offensive line should be consistent if the same five guys play the majority of this game. Maybe they're going to want to rotate people in but the most important thing on the offensive line for both teams, for all teams in, in the country, is building continuity, gelling as a unit, and playing as one because you, you don't really pay attention to the offensive line. And I implore, implore fans to pay attention to the offensive line uh, when Rutgers is on offense because it's so easy to watch the ball carriers, whoever has the ball. But this game is going to be dictated by those guys. And then on, conversely on defense – Watch our defensive line. Pay attention to the guys up front. If, if, if the runs are getting stuffed up, look at the defensive tackles. And I think, I just think our talent, I don't want to say it's, it's massively better, but it's at least marginally better than what Northwestern has right now. Uh, and, you know, the, similar to them, they brought in two transfer wide receivers. Now, theirs came from the Power Five level, ours came from uh, FCS or Division Two, but. You know, you haven't heard much about them. I think Rutgers fans are expecting our two transfer guys to be contributors day one. So we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. Greg Shiano talked a little bit about the interior of Northwestern's defensive line and their linebackers. But from what I'm seeing, like, there's not much speed uh, from the front seven. Their, Their strength comes from, I think, from the safety position. You know, we'll see what happens. But I think this is a game where... I do think Rutgers talent is better. Uh, and we are returning, I think, more players, at least more starters. We're, we're returning some of the most in the country. So uh, a team that went through so much turmoil and turnover like Northwestern, I just think that the t- Rutgers team is better. Now, you do have Northwestern writers saying, you know, they're predicting the schedule. And some of these guys do give them one or t- some of them gave them two big 10 wins, which I think is wild. Yeah, I, I don't know where that's coming from. from. So and, th- and uh, it's just like I think it's just. Easy to say, oh, Rutgers is going to be a victory. Like, okay, yes, Rutgers hasn't done much to to shun that narrative, to shut that down, but I think this is different. And again, Rutgers needs to show improvement this year. If they don't, 
I'm, it, it, I, I don't, I don't like to think about like what would happen if they do lose this game. But, you know, I remember how I felt after that Nebraska game and Nebraska was a team that did lose to Nebraska or Northwestern last year. Still think Nebraska was way better than them. I remember how I felt leaving that stadium because that was a game. Yes. Nebraska won, but Rutgers beat themselves tenfold. That was on Rutgers that we lost that game. Mismanaged from top to bottom. Got to point the finger at Greg Shano because he's the guy this has to be a game that Rutgers wins. If they lose again, I think it'll be because of them. So, lot on the lot on the. It would be way worse than that uh, than that Nebraska game if they lose oh, this yeah. game for sure. And and like you say, you've mentioned Rutgers taking things personally a bunch, whether it's the Big Ten or, or whatever the narrative they can create could be. It should be that other teams view them as a win, no matter what. They should be looking at this like Northwestern thinks they're going to come in and win this game on our field after everything that's going on, and we're the better team again. They. It not saying this is, you know, Ohio State, but they're playing with better talent. And that's just a fact. Like, at some point, you just got to say what's true. And you mentioned Peter Skaronsky's gone. They bring back their right tackle, which is fine. But this is relatively a new unit. It kind of has the same feel as the Rutgers offensive line. And it's going to take some time to gel on both sides. The front seven isn't great in Northwestern. This might be the best front seven that Greg Schiano has had, you know, Definitely in these last four years, maybe in the, maybe in this whole tenure, you know, who knows? It didn't get worse. It, it, it didn't. If anything, it's going to be the same. Yep, it's going to be the same, and it's going to be better if Aaron Lewis takes the step that everybody thinks he's going to take this year. That defensive line is going to be even better. The secondary mm-hmm. got a little deeper. The offensive line is a huge concern, and and it's funny yep. hearing Greg Schiano talk because from Big Ten media days, he thought that there was going to be five guys that were going to be consistent in playing along this offensive line. Well, if you think that figure it out in training camp he hasn't figured it out yet so it doesn't seem like there's going to be those guys unless there's this big epiphany over this next you know five days that a couple other guys are going to stand out because again there's there's three starters locked in where are those other two going to come from I personally like consistency I mentioned that with the quarterback I like knowing who the quarterback's going to be why I was imploring him to just name your quarterback already same thing with the offensive line you need five guys there that are going to gel that are going to come together and if they don't have that, I think it's a huge issue over the course of the season. But I think they have the personnel and the bodies that could handle this Northwestern pass rush if they, you know, send a blitz at any point. Because you mentioned they're not they're not the fastest bunch right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think, but the best thing about Northwestern, truly, and I don't know how I don't know what you do as a fan. Like they truly either win the division and go into the Big Ten championship game. Or finish last in the division. Like, there's no in between. They, I think in the last like five or six years, I think they went to two Big Ten championship games. Like, this is a team that we're talking about as possibly the worst in Power Five. And they recently in 2020 or 2021 were playing for a conference championship game against Ohio State. Are you kidding me? Like, it doesn't make any sense. They're, they're just an enigma. I don't understand it. Uh, but yeah, David Braun, something else that was strange. He pretty much shut off his players to the media, so you won't be hearing anything from players yeah, he's now. Not I don't know how much... anybody talk to the media. Yeah, and what's weird is he wants him to talk about football. It's like, well, that's what probably the media would ask him about. I would think, not like, hey, how's your chemistry class going? Like, hey, it's it's probably about football. So again, this is a guy who came in from North Dakota State, was their defensive coordinator to be Northwestern's defensive coordinator to fix the issues that Northwestern had. They were awful defensively last year. I don't know how I would feel if this was, if, if 
what happened at Northwestern happened at Rutgers and a new hire becomes our interim head coach. Cause I think that's one thing to, to point out is he, I believe he's the interim head coach. He's not interim the head coach. Now. Yeah. He hasn't been so, hired full, full time officially yet. Right. So that, that is just will. like, I, I, I think something else we have to point out is we talked about the talent. We know the players, it's going to come down to the offensive line. I think that's fair to say, but this is a game where in college football, I think coaching is so, so important. Obviously, talent matters, and you see that some teams have great talent and they're they're held back by their coaching. But then there's the inverse that happens where there's teams that maybe aren't the most talented, like Northwestern, that goes on to the Big Ten Championship some years and competes. That's a function of coaching, I think, in my opinion. And I think when you look, if you had to put the coaches across each other and say, pick Pick who you want to be your head coach, your offense coordinator, your defense coordinator. I probably go with the three for Rutgers. Like I definitely think Harris Simiak is phenomenal. I hope they can hold on to him. He did tremendous last year. And I mean, this I think both offensive and defense coordinators for Rutgers were former coordinators for Minnesota. And they've been a solid program out in the West. So I would take our guys over their guys, and I think that matters a lot. So I think that's something to 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 bring in as a X factor for for Rutgers this this game. There's so many aspects where you would take Rutgers in this game, and that's that's the part that kind of makes me nervous. And right now, the offensive line is the toss-up, and I think that's the reason we've been saying it's going to come down to that. But at the end of the day, I think Rutgers' pass rush is going to be more effective in this game, and that'll rattle, obviously, whatever quarterback's going to be playing. I know it won't be Ryan Holinsky. As bad as he was, he's hurt anyway, I think. I mean, <laughs> just that's just North, that, that's a Northwestern fan's worst nightmare. But when it comes down to handling the pass rush it'll be interesting to see what gavin does especially if one or two guys break through because he's got the he's got the ability to move he can use his legs and that's what i'm kind of looking for from kirk soraka too will there be design quarterback runs will you roll him out you have to roll him to his right i think a lot just to get him out of the pocket when i look at an offensive coordinator main thing i look at when the offensive line is bad is how do they call games you can't if the offensive line's shaky in this first game, you can't drop Gavin back seven steps and expect him to find receivers. You need to roll him out. You need to do some quarterback draws. You need to do some RPO options. You need to call a game to the talent that you have. It's not the other way around. You don't just call your game and expect the team to just adjust. You have to call to the talent you have. If the offensive line is as shaky as Greg Shiano's kind of making it seem, he's not really hiding that much. You need to call this game and get your young quarterback comfortable. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the the wide receivers, no matter where they came from, Jaquay Jackson, I think is going to have a big year. They should be able to handle this secondary in Northwestern. So if they just get a second of time, maybe they could get the ball down the field. But I think Sorok has a lot of options, especially in this first game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Gavin, which I'm excited about, and also Jaquay Jackson. Like we talked about the defense for Northwestern not having much speed. Uh, I'm not going to act like our de- uh, I think our defense has some speed or at least talent like that. Like I think of someone like Tyron Powell, who's just can, Tyron Powell can just cover so much area based off of his size. I don't know if they have that at Northwestern, but going back to uh, Gavin. Yeah. I feel like we, you know, you watch his, if you watch his high school tape, like I think when I, I things I don't, I want to see him launch the ball. He, he can throw the ball downfield when he did that last year. I felt like it really most, most of the time ended up in, in an interception. I am hoping that can be limited this year, uh, but he has the ability to, to throw the ball, but I want to see him n- n- court. I want to see design quarterback runs, but I also like pick up yards 
with your legs. Like that was the best thing. Uh, I think Vedral was very good. Well, his, his might've been design runs, but we picked up a lot of first downs on the back of Noah Vedral picking up, you know, I don't, again, I don't remember if they were designed or just scrambles from, from a broken pass play, but Gavin's definitely more talented. Like he maybe, I don't want to say, I don't think Vedral had, he had some heart. He played through injury. He played tough. You know, I, I, I respected him as a player. It wasn't there for him last year, but I don't, I'm just trying to look at the stats for, for Ben Bryant, you know, and I'm looking right now and it doesn't look like he was much of a runner at all. Now, I, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like he was much of a runner, which makes me feel better. I kind of want to look and be like, where do we compare uh, what, what the quarterbacks are able to do? Maybe he's a better passer. He definitely has better numbers. There's no question about that. Uh, he went for through for 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions, almost 2,700 yards. I mean, those are numbers Rutgers would love to, to see from the quarterback position. Again, he was playing in, at the, in the American, but now they're in the Big 12. He's not there anymore. He's in the Big 10. But Gavin's a guy. I'm curious to see who he targets. I, 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 one thing I always look for in, in all of my uh, – when I'm watching the Jets in the NFL or Rutgers or any college game for the first offensive play of the year, what is it going to be? I don't know. Uh, do you want to set the tone with a with a uh, an exciting pass play or an RPO like a quick, you know, or do you want to obviously run the ball? And and if Sam Brown's there, like I feel like that's an easy first play call. But it, you know, if you start if you start behind the change or chains on on second down, if the run plays gets blown up, which is very possible, you know, I'm always curious about that. And I think that with Gavin this year, one thing Shiano talked about a lot this training camp and off season was his leadership, his ability to kind of understand the offenses, dictate the offense. Let's see what he does. Let's see. Let's see what they do. I just I don't think we're going to have to worry about like silly situations from the quarterback position, seeing Johnny Langan in there and all that stuff. Yeah, like I know. think. And one thing that I find funny is you have, and I know I'm, I am talking a lot about the NJ.com guys, but you know I, I I know they have a job to do. I know they have to produce content. They have to cover. But when they're when they're saying like how long of a leash does Gavin Wimsett have this game? Like, in my opinion, um, like he he's obviously the best quarterback on the team, in my opinion. And then maybe maybe he's not the best passer, but he, he offers the most to the offense. He he allows us to do the most. Uh, he's the most talented. May not be the most accurate as of right now, but I doubt that Evan Simon showed that much more talent from 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 an accurate pers- uh, from from be- from being a more accurate passer. So when you talk about giving him a leash. That to me is making it seem like you expect him to fail already. We don't know. We we really don't know. I don't think last season was a good measure of who Gavin Wimsett is as a quarterback for a number of reasons, which we covered in pretty previous uh, podcasts. Like he didn't have steady offensive play calling. He had a bad offensive line, and he was injured. So we didn't get to see him use his full tools and traits. I think this year we do. So I think his leash should be as long as it needs to be, at least through the first couple of games. Because if if we continue to change quarterbacks intra-game, we're going to be in the same situation as last year. So, yeah, the leash is pretty long. <laughs> yeah, and it should be. That, that, that was the problem last year, and that's what they tried to avoid this year by naming him the starter. That first play, though, take a shot. I want to see him go out and get the ball, send Chris Long on a go route, and throw it as far as you can. I don't, I don't even care if you complete it. If I'm Gavin Williams, I'm not trying to complete that pass. I want him to go out and throw that ball 70 yards just to set the tone, show off his arm, and, and say, like, listen, this is a different team. If, they just, if they're back there 
assuming that oh, – I hate to even say it – assuming Gavin's going to take the first snap of the season, he better. We, we better not see a Wildcat play first play of the year yep. again. But I don't think we do. Assuming, I, I, don't think, I don't think so I don't either. Think but assuming that um, obviously Gavin's under center and you just run it up the middle, like you said, it's so so boring, so vanilla. Like It doesn't really show any excitement. Go out and throw this ball deep and give the fans something to be excited about. Get them out of their seats on the first play just to – uh, just to get excited, like I said, throw it out of the stadium. Don't even, don't even try to, don't even try to complete it. Throw it through the uprights if I'm Gavin, I, just to get get some juice in the air. I can't think of of a better statement than doing something like that. Now, I feel like that happens a lot of times. I don't know, I don't know the success rates, but I can say if it is successful, the stadium will erupt. People will be. The, I can just imagine what the sideline would be like from from on the Rucker side. And if that does happen, let's just say touchback first play of the game they start at the 25 i guess and they pick up i don't know 40 yards on that play i think it's get this is going to sound crazy five seconds into the game but i think it's game over i think i think right then and there Rutgers won the game they have momentum they're not going to let it up because again if there's going to be something that beats Rutgers, it's going to be themselves it's going to be not protecting the ball and turning it over on offense i think that sets the standard from play one play one and and it should be fun. So again, I don't want to get ahead of us, ahead of ourselves. But there is, there's a lot that we need to establish on the offense and, and passing effectively early on in games is is paramount this season, and that would be an amazing way to start the season. And if they do that, and, and who knows, you know, go for a touchdown. Like I said, put together a drive maybe, and and especially if you're if you're taking something in this game, I think it's a touchdown spread that we talked about. I've seen it at six and a half. And that's kind of we'll transition into our best bets for this because I feel like we got to take, we got to make a pick on the Rutgers game every week. That's just that's just a given. And you couldn't give me money to bet the total in this game because there's no possible chance to predict what either offense is going to look like. And this isn't a homer pick, but give me Rutgers. I said they got to win this game semi convincingly. If it stays at six and a half, even if it goes to seven, take Rutgers in this game. Take the points. I um. Give the points, I should say. Yeah. It's got to be a, a – tw- I'm trying to think of a score. It's got to be like a 27-14 type game. You know, go out, set the tone defensively, score some points, and, you know, go cover a spread. Right? Last time you seen Rutgers a seven-point favor, I don't even remember. So they got to go out and make a statement. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you taking the points there. Again, if Rucker, if if it's a field goal game, like that's a that's a problem. Like it's going to it's going to set a bad standard for the season. Like it's not a matter of like can they cover. It's they. You don't like to think of it from a gambling perspective, but it does need to be a touchdown game, regardless of what the betting lines are at. And when you say Northwestern scoring fourteen points, that makes me get chills up my spine. Like I think that's too many points. I think that's too many points for them to score. Again, if if we're sloppy on offense, maybe that's how that happens. But I think that again, it's going to stink not having Adam Corsack out there flipping the field. But hopefully, we don't have to punt the ball that much, or we're not punting it from our twenty or twenty-five yard line. We're establishing drives and maybe punting it from the fifty. You know, it's going to be exciting to see what Jay Patel can do. If Jay Patel can get points on the, if we if we can score on every drive, even including field goals, like yeah, I think we're going to win this game, and it's going to be fun to see if if this kid can be an X factor for us because kicking. I mean, if if one thing. If one thing was awful about week zero, it was kickers. And I mean, college kickers statistically just aren't the best. These guys, oh my God, like not good. Missing like 30, shorter than 30 yards. And like, 
wide, like wide right, wide left. I don't know if that's going to happen. With I don't think that happens with Jay Patel. It did happen. There, there were times last year with our previous kickers where we did miss some kicks really bad. Uh, I'm hoping that can't be the case. But, yeah, give me Rutgers with the points. Uh, we we got to score. Hopefully we get some a defensive or special teams touchdown as well because those things happen. I think the momentum will just stick with Rutgers for the whole game. And this is the, this is where we could go, you know, down the country again. It's so nice having a full slate, so many games to discuss and see what we like, what we don't like. You know, who's going to make a statement, especially in Week One. A lot of cupcake games, obviously, that's to be expected. Typically, the schedule like that, but there are some good ones. And what I like is that it starts on Thursday, so we'll so we'll dive in. I like um, the Utah Florida game stuck out to me, and I'm taking. I would lean not taking that. Nothing official yet. Like I said. I'm making my picks spur of the moment completely at the end once we start to to keep track of everything. I like Utah in that game, though, on Thursday night. This is a revenge spot for them. We remember Florida beat them last year in the Swamp. I had Florida in that game. And Florida's, I don't think, going to be any good this year. Cam Rising's back for Utah. I think this is a statement game for them. Again, six and a half. So as long as that stays under a touchdown, that's a good spot for them. Is Cam Rising, do you actually know if Cam Rising is back? Because I think he is back, isn't he? Well, he's definitely on the team, but he's coming back from injury. I, I saw, I think he had some sort of like, I don't know what it was, a medical issue. So he, he's up in the air. If he isn't playing like that, that's why it's like, I think I may have sprinkled Florida because this was weeks ago and the spread went up to like, I don't know where it was, but it's a game where it's just monitor. Like, I'm, I'm not going to pick that one. But one thing I do want to point out to listeners is both Greg and I did go two and one in our best bets last week for yes. week zero. So. If you bet with us, you won money, which is awesome. So hopefully we can keep that trend going. Um, one game – I like to uh, – the way I kind of like to look at the, the week one games is kind of looking at like the Thursday games. And you saw Florida-Utah. The, there's one that from Thursday that sticks out to me. And this, this may be crazy. Oh, it's definitely crazy. It's, it's definitely crazy, especially because like there is a uh, – I don't know. It feels like an inherent rivalry between the two teams. But UConn. Plus 14 and a half at home against North Carolina State. If I'm not mistaken, I think Brennan Armstrong is the quarterback for NC State. In my opinion, massive downgrade from what they had previously with Devin Leary. Don't know what's going on with NC State, but 14 and a half on the road against a UConn team that did go to a bowl game, I believe, last year. I could be wrong there, but they I think they, they won games last year with their first time back and playing meaningful football. Uh, or second year back, I should say. But wh- who do they have as their coach? Jim Mora Jr. or whatever it is his name is. Uh, I I don't want to say that's my my, my lock, but because I do have one that I like better. But that is a game I am targeting. UConn, 14 and a half. I, I've been seeing – I'm somehow on UConn Twitter right now. It's probably because of Jack Jack, uh, Jack Mack from Barstool that's always talking crap about Rutgers. Um, sorry people don't think about UConn, even though you just won a national championship. That's just a fact. People do not think about the state. They do not think about the university. Uh, but 14 and a half points, I think, at home against NC State, who will have Brennan Armstrong, who was really, really bad last year for the University of Virginia. That's a game that I'm looking at uh, with UConn with the points for Thursday. Another one that I was kind of eyeballing on Thursday was Nebraska with the points on the road at Minnesota. But there's too much up in the air, I think, with, with Nebraska and Minnesota. That game is just a weird one, but a low over-under at 43-and-a-half. So I think it would be an, a close game based off of the line, but another one to keep an eye out for. That was next on my list as well. And I and if – funny you mentioned Jack Mack, by the way, before I move on to this, UConn. They, they won a national title again. Nobody cares. And, and, nobody. The, funny, and the funny thing is nobody's going to care this season either. It's just going to be another another year. So Cam Spencer, have fun. 
But you're back I will to- say, I will say, though, I do think, like, say something nice about UConn. When you talk about the Blue Bloods in college basketball, no team has, has done more in the last 25 years. Maybe they've had down, more down years than some of the other Blue Bloods, but they've won five national championships since the late 90s, which is way more than when you look at UCLA, UConn, Kansas. So, like, I respect UConn basketball. I have nothing sure, bad to say you about have to. But when we're talking about football, watch your mouth. Watch yeah, your mouth. Uh, football is not even <laughs> – UConn's been the worst team in the country for for five years now, but that that Nebraska game is also interesting to me. It's in Minnesota. How good is Minnesota? I don't know. I don't think great. Just again, solid. But if you listened last week, you know my fandom of Matt Rule coming back to Nebraska. I had him ranked very high. I think he's a great college coach. Obviously, game one that's not gonna be the case. You know, he's not turning around Nebraska in one game, but. If there's one thing he might be able to do is rile his team up to play a close game. So off coach alone, and you also know if you listen, I'm not a P.J. Fleck fan. Take that seven and a half. You could win that game by the hook. I think Nebraska is going to be a trendy pick this week, which also makes me nervous. But I think it could be a safe one. Yeah, well, I also think, you know, look at their Minnesota's offense is replacing their two best players, and I'm sure pieces across the offensive line. They're replacing their quarterback. They're replacing their running back. They're replacing their offensive coordinator. That's kind of where I was looking at Nebraska. Now that I'm talking about it, I do think Matt Rule is a better coach than P.J. Fleck. I'm forgetting his name, but the quarterback for Nebraska, I'm pretty sure, will be Georgia Tech's quarterback from last year, who is a mobile guy. I'm forgetting his name, uh, but he he's a – not that Casey – Casey Thompson definitely wasn't bad, or even uh, the guy before that, Martinez, Adrian Martinez, he, he wasn't awful, but I think that the guy for Georgia Tech – is a good combination of the two and very athletic. So I think they have the advantage from the quarterback, uh, from the quarterback position and the head coaching position. And those are the two most important things I think in, in football. Uh, again, it's on the road in Minnesota, but it's not like it's going to be the cold Minnesota that happens, you know, as the season progresses. So yeah, that's a game that I like. Uh, mo- moving on to Thursday, I think I did it last year. I think I bet. I don't think I bet. I think I bet against them. I think they played Central Michigan. They played a Michigan team, I'm pretty sure. But I'm looking at Michigan again, 14 and a half point spread. I think Central it was Western Michigan, Michigan. Western Michigan. I think okay. Western Michigan last year. Yeah, and I think I bet them, and I think they covered. But I, I, I'm eyeing what Central Michigan. Not a great team, but when one of our one of our MAC teams, you know, who MAC is the 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 bread and butter college football conference. If you want to watch college football, the MAC is your is your conference to go to. 14 and a half points on the road against Michigan State. Another team that's replacing their quarterback. A lot of pieces on that team. Their best wide receiver. You know, it's, this is a year that I don't think people are expecting a lot from Michigan State. I don't think this is a, I don't know what their win total is, but I believe it's under six. And I think 14 and a half points is just a lot. And again, another uh, relatively low over under, 45 and a half points. So if it is going to be within the line, it's going to be close. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of scoring. And I think Central Michigan, they're returning their quarterback from last year. Another mobile guy, very tall, very big, very lanky. Kind of reminds me of a Colin Kaepernick type player um, in college. You know, that type of uh, body and and speed. But, uh, yeah, I would take Central. I I wouldn't feel comfortable taking Michigan State 14 and a half points. kind of how I look at it. I also don't like Michigan State, but maybe it's a little bit of a a hate pick. But, yeah, Central Michigan plus 14 and a half is another one I'm looking at. I'm going to dive into Saturday a little bit now, talking about the Michigan game over East Carolina. And that's, I believe, 36 right now. And the over-under is not too far away because they don't obviously not expect East Carolina to score a lot of points. So that could be a spot where you look at first half or you could look at 
you know, both first half and game team totals, whatever you want. Cause I think this is a flex spot for um, Michigan. Excuse me. JJ McCarthy's back. Blake Corm's back. This team has to be pissed off. I mean, Jim Harbaugh finally gets this team to where they need to be. They beat Ohio state. They're in the playoff. You lose to TCU last year. Like that Georgia team was so much better than them two years ago, but you lose that game to TCU. I mean, just this team has to be mad and they have to have, play with a purpose this year in the Big Ten to, to three-peat and maybe even get to a national championship game and keep in uh, within 30 points. East Carolina staying within 30 points won't look too good in that, so I expect Michigan to flex here. Yeah, if I, I think if if we're going to give best bets, if we're going to give like three, let's say, I think I look back at ECU's schedule last year, the scores of the games, and the teams that were able to score 40-plus points against them were not very good teams, one of them including Temple. That may have been the game where uh, Kurt Warner's son threw for like 500 yards. I can't remember who that was against, but I think that I'm I'm going to lock it in for one of my picks. Uh, Michigan's team total over 44.5. I don't know... If they're not able to run the ball against a team like this, and I think they were able to go off against the, they, they they're playing a very weak out of conference schedule again, or their first three games similar to last year. Don't think that matters because I do think they are a top four team. But forty four and a half, when you look at like the, is it possible that they slip up and allow a touchdown or two? Yes, and that's where you kind of lose the the line being at like thirty six. But forty four and a half points, I think what's uh, Notre Dame was able to do that against. Uh, Navy, who's a team that you know holds on to the ball, tries to sustain drives, and really couldn't. But I think forty-four and a half points for this game is is definitely going to be one of my locks. Uh, Michigan team total. I got an ugly one here. <laughs> Show me something, Brian Ferentz. Show me something. <laughs> you, you came back. You survived. South Dakota State last year, seven-three, two safeties and a field goal to get to seven points. Come out and show something with Cade McNamara. Iowa added in the transfer portal. They got two receivers and they got a tight end. Eric all from Michigan came over with McNamara. You have to show me something. And it's not going to be what you think. It's ugly because it's the over. It's the over 45. And taking the over in, in an Iowa game is just sacrilegious. And I believe they're 25-point favorites. So if yes. I can get 14 from Utah State because um, Iowa's defense is going to be elite again. If I can get 14... At 45, you know, give me something 34, 14, something like that to cover this over. It's not going to be a lock for me. It's not going to be a game that I keep track of for sure. But it's one to keep an eye on because Iowa hurt all offseason. How bad the offense is, how bad Brian Ferentz is. I've said both of those at length. Come in and show me something. Take the over in this game. Yeah, I looked at this earlier and I just can't get – Iowa's offense from last year, like out of my head. And when I look at Utah State getting 25 and a half points, I'm like, how does Iowa score 24 points? So if I had to pick a, make a pick in this game and I was eyeing it, it would be Utah plus 25 and a half. And I think that can help. I think I can go in par with you because I I don't, I just think if the game is going to go over, it's not going to be because of Iowa. It's going to be because <laughs> both teams are scoring. So yeah, that's a that's another one. But yeah, like the slate, there's there's not like pretty games necessarily. But no, not at all. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. One thing I wanted to look at was the overall team total. I love team totals. Those are like my favorite bets. But for Ohio State, okay, against Indiana is the same as Michigan, forty four and a half points. 
you know, they just announced their starting quarterback, Kyle McCord, played with Marvin Harrison in, in high school. You know, it's another one I'm looking at. You know, the, the spread right now is 29 and a half. So we'll say 30 for the sake of uh, simplicity. The over under 59 and a half. Ohio State, if, if they're going to, you know, they, they have a tough schedule ahead of them where they have to go on the road to, to, to Notre Dame. This can't be a game where they show any weakness. They have in the past. They have slipped up week one or against teams that are just not up to their level of uh, talent. But I, I always love looking at the team totals and give me give me that 44 and a half uh, team total over for, for Ohio State. I'm going to put Ohio State and Alabama in the same boat this year in terms of a little turnover at quarterback. Obviously, not huge question marks surrounding the teams. They're both national title contenders. They're both top 10 teams. Might end in top five. They both make the playoff, obviously. But Bryce Young's gone. CJ Stroud's gone. They bring in two guys who are kind of unproven. Obviously, Kyle McCord hasn't gotten the playing time over at Ohio State. I think this is the chance for both teams. Ohio State against Indiana. Bama's playing Middle Tennessee State. 40-point favorites. I think both team totals are good bets. And I think that both first halves, I think this is a game where both coaches know and both quarterbacks know they need to put on an offensive show to to kind of show the country that they're going to be those national title contenders this year. Yeah, another quick hitter. Uh, again, Texas A&M, do I think they deserve to be ranked? Probably not, but they have the talent there. And more importantly, they got Bobby Petrino calling off uh, the offense this year, and he's had great offenses in the history. He's had his own list of scandals, but they play, they're at home against New, Me- New Mexico, uh, now wait, New Mexico and New Mexico State are they the same? T- what everyone just lost to UConn? They're different. UConn. You, oh crap! I don't know if this is the same team. Either way, I'm yeah, just, they're different teams. Oh, uh, so but did UMass play North New Mexico State? New Mexico New State. Me- okay, all right. Well, okay, got to take that back then. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pump the brakes there. But I I kind of. 38 and a half, the over under 48 and a half. Like that's a game I could see going over because I could see North New Mexico getting a touchdown and then Texas A&M having to do more than what they normally have done uh, in previous seasons. So that, that was good thing we talked about that. And I feel like Penn State minus 20 and a half, 20 and a half on at home against West, uh, West Virginia. Another good one. This is supposed to be Penn State's best team top to bottom. Uh, we'll see what Drew Aller can do, but that's another game of mine. Uh, any lines to cover. Penn State's another one I was looking at too because. When do you ever see Penn State, you know, as a national title team? That hasn't been the case in the past couple of years. And this might be the best defense in the country. This is a defense that could have, there's 11 defensive players. They might have eight or nine of them drafted next year. So this is another flex spot. James Franklin needs to really show that they can maintain success over the course of the season. Now, that can't, that's not going to happen in week one, obviously. But what you do is week one is beat an inferior opponent. So I'm looking at... Penn State in that game for sure if it stays under three touchdowns. Also, the West Virginia team total under is interesting to me because the defense is so good in um, at Penn State, and West Virginia is not going to be a strong team this year. That was – I wish you didn't say that because I wasn't thinking about that as a pick. Let's see. Do they score two touchdowns? They can score two touchdowns because it's 14 and a half. I like that. Uh, that's interesting. But I think – I can't say it at least just out of the pride in my heart. I can't say that as my like number one lock. So I'm going to go with my number one lock as Michigan's team total over 44 and a half. I want to make sure that's what it is, what I'm seeing. I, I, I use FanDuel for reference, uh, but over 44 and a half for Michigan uh, will be my, my lock for, for, for this, for this week. So that's my first one. 
I don't know if you if you wanted to, if we want to go back to back, but that that's what I'm looking at for my first lock. Yeah, just a couple other ones I had in mind. Um, Old Dominion again, sixteen from Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech is going to be bad, and Old Dominion is one of those feisty teams. I think they beat them last year at home. Uh, my my fiance went to Virginia Tech. I follow Virginia Tech very closely. As much as I want them to be back, I need them to be bad this year for Rutgers' benefit. Uh, I hate saying that, but it's true. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of points, and they did lose to them. And it wasn't it wasn't a good game. Uh, and Old Dominion is just it's a new football program. So, uh, yeah, that's a definitely not a bad pick. That was just another uh, but, one I was looking at. We'll start taking our picks of the week now. We can we did three last week. We could bump. Can we find five? Can we bump it up to five? Sure. Bigger bigger slate. Might as well add some more. So you're going Michigan's team total over forty four and a half. This is something we'll keep track of every week. Again, we were both two and one last week to start. I had Navy was my loser. And then I won Jacksonville State first F first FCS game. Got that was to, a good got call. Got to take a chance on them. And then the over, I believe, in the USC game I had, and that hit with ease. Obviously, once USC woke <laughs> up, so two and one there. Michigan's team total over. I'm going to take my first one as Utah uh, minus six and a half on Thursday night. I know you spoke about Florida briefly, but I think. Cam Rising should be ready for that game. I can't see him missing the opener, especially a rivalry such as this one. And again, the the revenge spot to me is a big factor. And and when one team is just better than the other, yeah, uh, I'm, I'll go with uh, Penn State minus twenty and a half at home against West Virginia. Like it feels weird that West Virginia just isn't right now a good program. I feel like for a while they were very consistent, competitive, some great players. Awesome environment in Morgantown. Stinks to see where they are. It seems like their head coach is probably his last year. But, yeah, if, if Penn State wants to uh, find a way – well, let's just – well, I don't want to look ahead. But, yeah, Penn State minus 20 and a half. That's my second one there. After Utah, I'm going to take Western Kentucky minus 11 and a half against South Florida. The, the over can also be a play in that game. It's going to be interesting to me over the first couple of weeks to see how overs are impacted by the new clock rule. Yeah, in college football. I don't know how much it'll work, but this one's very, very high, so I'm staying away from that. But I'll take Western Kentucky minus 11.5. That's one of those funky numbers, but I think South Florida, again, is just that bad. And Western Kentucky is a team that likes to move fast, and they'll be try to get as many possessions, as many plays as they can. Yeah, I guess i got to go with my heart next. And like I said earlier, Central Michigan plus 14.5 on the road against Michigan State. Uh my my level of confidence with this has went down as the as the as we dis- continue to discuss, but again, I'm not expecting Michigan State to be much of a better team than last year and I think these MAC teams just always find a way to be competitive. So, um Central Michigan plus 14 and a half on the road against Michigan State. That'll be pick number 3. Probably the game of the weekend. Is mm. LSU Florida? Yeah, we should State. we should we should do a pick each for that one. I think that's fair. On when is that game? That game's Sunday. It's the last. Night. I think it's the last game of. Oh no, it's, a, it's the last game on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's Sunday night, right? So yep, seven thirty. I'm gonna take LSU. Ooh, they're given two and a half points in that game, I believe. Florida State's such a trendy team. Jordan Travis. Yeah. Jordan Travis, such a trendy Heisman player. Like all of a sudden now, Florida State's back. Going to be good this year, but LSU, second year with Brian Kelly. They started to figure it out last year, obviously beat Bama in that huge game for them. They're, could they be a dark horse SEC team? I feel like they're not getting so much love, and this is a prove-it game for them, too, against a trendy team. The only thing that makes me nervous, 
is at Florida State. Obviously, that crowd is going to be wild. But yeah. give me give me LSU kind of um, set the tone a little bit in that game. The fact that they're favored tells me a lot. Yeah, I player one of the best players in the country. I think his name is Howard Perkins on LSU edge rusher. Anytime you're one of the best players in the country and you're an edge rusher, you're one of the best. You're you're going to be a top pick in the NFL draft. Look at Will Anderson from from previous years at Alabama. Uh, game record now, hopefully for the Houston Texans. I think it'll be fun if I go contrary here. I almost want to get Florida State money line, uh, just because, the, and it's almost their their wide receiver on Florida State. I forget what his name is, Johnny something. He is massive. He's this massive receiver. Catch can get down the field. Uh, a big threat for Jordan Travis. I, again, I do not like how everybody, and I mean everybody, is high on Florida State. Just like they're pretty high on Penn State, but I think with Penn State, they have the defense behind them, which can win you games, obviously. But I'll go with Florida State taking the points two and a half here. I think that'll be fun, uh, something for us to watch as the week goes on. A uh, little little contrarian pick there. But, you know, LSU, the team that did beat Alabama last year, definitely not bad. Uh, Brian Kelly, clearly a good coach. Still a weird fit down in Baton Rouge, but I'm going to go with Florida State here. I want the USC team total over against Nevada. The reason I don't take USC spread here is because we saw how bad their defense yeah. was, and I know I don't know it's if that's going to be don't know if that's going to be the case all year. But being a huge favorite like they were in Week Zero against that team, I mean San Jose State scored 28 points. That just can't happen. But I do think the offense is as electric as ever. Caleb Williams is that good. Obviously, Lincoln Riley's that good, we know. So USC, just to score some points here, I think that's going to be a safe bet every week. But we'll take it here for sure against, who are they playing again? Against Nevada. Yeah. I'm between two picks here. One that just came across my screen. I know I mentioned earlier looking at Utah plus 25 and a half on the road against Iowa. I think I'm talking myself out of it for the fact that it is a noon game in Iowa City at Kinnick Field. Just a just a tough place to play against, a, obviously, a good defense and an offense that probably can't be worse than last year. So think, talking that through, I think I'm going to move away from that. And I'm going to go with a team that really deserves a lot of credit in the Pac-12. Pac-12 as a whole really does have some really exciting, intriguing teams, and they might find themselves in the playoffs this year. If it was expanded, they absolutely would. Uh, But I'm going to go with Washington, hosting Boise State, 14 and a half points. Michael Penix, people, I don't want to say dark horse, but sleeper pick for Heisman. He has one of the best wide receivers on on his team. There's just a lot of talent on on Washington. Uh, So I'm going to go with Washington minus 14 and a half hosting Boise State. I feel like Boise State's been pretty pretty downward trending for a couple of years right now. I think I I don't know who the head coach was there previously. I don't know if it was it's Utah's current coach, but um either way, Washington minus 14 and a half hosting Boise State. Let's see what Michael Penix and the Huskies can do this season for the Big 12 because, you know, coming in preseason top 10, it's a big deal for them. Trying to find another game here. There's so many games. And when you start talking about them and looking at them, it's like you can't find one. One thing that we did a lot of last last week was we, we both had over-unders. I don't think either of us do this year or this week. I think it's tougher because some of them are pretty large. Uh, and some of they're really big or really small. So maybe that's something that'll interest you. Um, I, the, the TCU Colorado one, though, 63 and a half seems very high. 
Uh, and I don't think TCU would be that great. I don't know if that's something that's interesting, but something that I that caught my eye because uh, we know Colorado shouldn't be that great, but they should be better. And TCU shouldn't be as good as last year by any measure. Yeah, a lot of the totals I looked at, I'm not too sure about. Like I said, I'm yeah. definitely not. I'm definitely not hitching my wagon to that um, Iowa over. Yeah, I feel like nobody should ever do that. That's just one I mentioned <laughs> if people want to get ballsy. Um, Alabama's I looked at because I think they're going to score a ton of points, but the problem is they might not give up any points. Middle Tennessee might not score in that game. So right. is, that, is Bama well, going to score 55 points? I don't know. You Were were you high on – were you with Nebraska? Because that's an interesting pick, plus I was, seven. I was high on Nebraska. I think another game I'm going to take – I think my final game. Did you take um, Florida State? By the way, I might have missed. It. I did. Two and a, plus two and a half. Back and forth on that one, so that'll be. A nice, yeah. we'll see how that one plays fun. out. I think I'm going to end it with Texas. And okay. I'm also high on Texas. I think Quinn Ewers is a dark horse Heisman guy. I think he's going to be a good pro. Is Texas back? I mean, I guess we'll find out. But if they're going to be back and win the Big Twelve, they got to come out and dominate Rice. So. Texas yep, minus, I would agree. Texas minus 35 in this game. Yeah. Another one people should be should, should look at, I think, Tennessee minus 27 and a half. UV, Virginia, not good. At home, noon game in, in Knoxville, something else that's interesting. So there are some interesting games. I mean, all everybody's playing. There's not like any necessary – we talked about the marquee matchup, LSU um, – uh, LSU, Florida State, but you know I don't want all my I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket in Week One, so I kind of like it that way because there are some really, really starting in Week Two and moving forward, we we get into some awesome matchups. So lots to come. Absolutely. So those are our picks. We got five each, and we're both taking Rutgers. That'll be the the honorary six pick each week. We got to take something in the Rutgers game, obviously. Both taking yeah. Rutgers here, expecting them to win this game by a touchdown or more. And uh, that's the beauty of college football. As you move on, there's always something to look forward to. We were excited. Absolutely. We were excited to get to this point just to talk about a college, a real college football game. Now, next time you guys hear from us, we'll be breaking one down and talking Ooh. about the results of the Rutgers Northwestern game, which is even more exciting. Absolutely. Hopefully, I know I won't be in attendance. But I'm hoping the next pod I have less of a voice because I'm yelling at my phone from City Field in excitement. I'm hoping that happens for us. But yeah, it should be. You know, I, I'm 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 nervous, but I'm nervous any to any any beginning of the football year for for Rutgers and just just football in general. So should be fun. Looking forward to it. A must win game. People should be watching. I know college football fans will be watching, and so should you. So yeah, hopefully come next week we're, we're we got a nice smile on our face and and spirits are up. That's all we got for you today, Rutgers fans. We're only a few days away from kick. Whether it's excitement, whether it's anger, there's going to be a lot to break down from this game next week. So everybody enjoy week one and enjoy Rutgers opener.